Hello, we have saved you a seat. Welcome to episode 49 of Train Station at 8, a video game music podcast. I am your host, Brian, and joining me today is my brother, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And you have managed to wrangle us quite a panel of guests today. Uh, I can't take the credit for this one. In fact, normally I'm the one running around behind the scenes sending emails and Twitter DMs and all of that, but I kind of just sat back and let you take this one on. That's um, a fair point, but you're the one who originally introduced me to uh, Will and Carl Brueggemann, who are here today. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing Howdy. good. Thanks for having us. You know, I gotta say, I really, I'm loving your guys' intro. I remember you talked when you were on our show uh, about what it was like hearing us start the show and do the <laughs> pre-show banter and stuff. It's it's really fun coming on your, your guys' show, because, you know, I'm an avid listener of you guys as well. Oh, that, that's really awesome to hear. Yeah, I, that's something I really like about uh, getting into the podcast community, is like being able to like go backstage, if you will. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> These shows right. are done. And just how how ridiculous people are when they <laughs> don't know what they're doing, um, but we're, we're we're figuring it out here. And joining us also, wait, there's more. What? Marty Brueggemann, the third Mercado brother, is here joining us. Hello, Marty. How are you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for including me and adding yet another brother brother to your show because uh, you were kind of lacking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I know. We just we don't give enough credence to the whole brother. Uh, <laughs> the idea of brotherhood on this show so it is really awesome we are we are now five brothers strong <laughs> i'm i am honored to have all three of you on at the same time i think if we've hit a new milestone i think this is gonna yes, it's gonna be a blast yes the collective musical knowledge here is getting pretty intense so <laughs> we'll see if we can manage it uh typically we do discuss um what we've been listening to recently mm-hmm. but we have a very special reason for this episode coming together you guys are putting out an album uh, or rather, as this is recorded, you guys recently put out an album, which was a tribute to Super Mario World and Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island, titled Hello World. our main topic of discussion today do you guys want to go introduce just what that is and what you've been doing yeah we're so excited so the by the time this uh, this episode comes out we would have released it last tuesday the 14th and it's a double album of original music that is inspired by mario world as well as yoshi's island and what's funny is originally i would say about like seven or eight months ago we had the idea of just doing a yoshi's album that was the original idea because we've loved Yoshi's Island for so long. We kind of grew up with it. And I remember one day I was talking with Will on the phone and I was like, well, what if we did like a double album that was Mario World and also Yoshi's Island? Because that would be fun to do that stuff too. And that ever since that, that it kind of, the project kind of, I don't know, just kind of spiraled out of control to the point where we really got excited about having this double album where one side was inspired by Mario World, the other side by Yoshi's Island. And yeah, it's been about a six month journey, but we're finally done with it. So we're just so excited to share this with everybody. Right. And all three of you guys worked on this album, correct? It was like a big collaboration. Project. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. We we all worked together. And I mean, obviously, we're brothers. So we grew up, you know, sharing and playing music together. But this is actually the first, you know, I guess, official big time collaboration musically between all three of us. Uh, Marty did compose a few tracks for Mega Buster, which was our Mega Man album. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time where we sort of divided um, all the duties 
evenly and it was just a blast getting to work um with three people instead of just two because typically when we do these albums uh, it's just carl and myself and it's probably worth noting that we for for someone who's not familiar we kind of have done a lot of these i guess you want if you want to call them homage albums for whatever reason we kind of fell into doing these it was never part of our plan but we did like a, a galaxy one and then all of a sudden we did an f-zero one and before we know it, we have all these homage albums and this is probably going to be the last one that's why we kind of wanted to go out with a bang with this one so uh yeah it's just it's just a really fun experience to have all of us collaborating so perhaps this album should have been titled goodbye world <laughs> yeah <laughs> well exactly. i mean it's, it's too late part, it's, <laughs> partly because it's um you know well based after the good old snes games but there's kind of this feeling of nostalgia to these albums when i was listening oh to yeah them. there's just something really like melodic and uh like a curtain closing to them well so, we, we have know. this That's- fascination with trying to inf- infuse nostalgia in new music in brand new music <laughs> we're really interested in the the relationship between nostalgia and music and i think that's really at the forefront of this project is trying to make brand new music that immediately makes you feel like mushy for some reason well all the projects really i think that's sort of a, a goal um nostalgia being one of the principal things that we're banking on you know that hopefully people are familiar with the games and the soundtracks that we're paying tribute to and then they end up feeling some combination of nostalgia because it sounds like that but also excitement because it sounds new and and fresh and i don't know it's some it's 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 addictive to create and we just hope that people also enjoy listening to it but even if they don't you know we just have such a good time making this stuff well it's it's kind of interesting because nostalgia is isn't um isn't really seen as a very appealing commodity these days uh and so i i kind of liked how i feel like we were able to kind of kind of separate like okay well what is it that we're missing from that era that isn't just sort of like a surface level um kind of longing but there's like there's something about uh you know almost like the approach or the philosophy in this case of you know the composer koji kondo it's like what like what was it that he offered that was so wonderful that we don't have in our lives anymore? Um, and it's almost like, I guess that, that side of nostalgia, which I think really interests us. And, and um, I think is sometimes kind of overlooked. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, yeah, nostalgia isn't very common these days. And I think Nintendo is one of the primary sources for this generation of nostalgia. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're kind of the Disney of this generation. I believe they've um, gone on record recently saying that they specifically deal in the in the in the uh, nostalgia scene, essentially, right. like, as part of their special secret sauce. Like, and they're yeah. like Disney in that they're able to keep reinventing these ideas and bringing fresh life to them, and not just be an artifact of the past, which kind of makes you even more nostalgic because you're you're still invested yeah. in these characters. And actually, that's something kind of interesting about the albums you guys put out, and something that's a a bit unique about them is that you don't necessarily take the old tunes from old games. You more of take the the texture and the instruments and the styles, and it kind of feels like yeah, you're the using the same paints and making your own creations out of them, which is pretty different from what I see most people doing and kind of taps into the nostalgia well, thing. I love the way that you put that, Stephen, the idea of like using the same toolbox or something to create the music, because that really is the goal. For us, we kind of like to think of it as what if we were tasked with writing the music to Mario World or, you know, writing a sequel to it mm-hmm. or just like 
uh, a situation I like to present is what if there was some copyright issue? You know, they were re-releasing the game, but they wouldn't have the rights (laughs) to the music. And so you need to write new music that can like, (laughs) <laughs> step Give in the, the place feelings. of that stuff. Yeah, that, right. that yeah we're trying to offer bit. our services as sort of like copyright dodgers. So. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a little bit, didn't David Wise have to do something similar yeah. for a Donkey Kong soundtrack? Yeah, he did. Well, that was a little bit of a different situation where like just the hardware, technical right? limitations, he just it was easier for him to write a whole new soundtrack. But but kind right. of piggybacking off what Will was saying about the alternate reality, one thing that I, we said we did we recorded a bonus episode um, that that went up last week where we kind of talked about it on our show. But uh, it's actually really hard to explain this kind of project to a lot of people because I think there are some people that might have the reaction like, who do they think they are? Like they're trying to like do Koji Kondo and. It was never the intention, nor would it physically be possible for us to ever like compete or replace that music. It's really just yeah, right. a way for us to honor and to show why we love it so much and just kind of what is good about the original music, I guess. Yeah, and I kind of like to think right. of it as it, like, imagine you're on the you're on the map in Mario World and that you all of a sudden could like steer left and there's like an entirely different area to the yeah, I like that. And so it's we really wanted to feel like okay, you're absolutely in the same space, but it's not something that you've heard before. And in terms of like kind of like video game language, it's not a place or a level that you've ever played before. Right. Something that interests me is how these songs. I I don't quite remember if this was the case with your previous tribute albums, but uh, most of your songs like have a one to one correlation with one of the songs in the game. Yeah, there, there, there's right. a couple oddballs uh, that that don't really have us like a companion song, and, and purposely so. Uh, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. like, for example, that chamomile forest map uh, is a completely unique piece that doesn't have a specific inspiration. And there's other things like, for example, that winter, uh, winter and mushroom land yeah, track. I was going to ask about that. That, I that was it out. Well, <laughs> what that the was the story really behind that. Us. Well, yeah, the sort of the story behind that is um, we knew that we were going to have an overworld theme that was going to be arranged in all these different styles. And we knew this is the most important track in both albums. So actually, all three of us, Carl, Marty and myself, we all took a crack at writing an overworld theme. The theme that Carl came up with became the title screen that Welcome to Mushroom Land. The theme that Marty came up with became the overworld theme. And the one that I wrote, we turned it into that Winter in Mushroomland track. So that's sort of an example of we had more themes than we almost (laughs) needed in a situation. So it allowed us (laughs) to kind of imagine, well, what if there was a winter level in Mario? Um, And so that was kind of the fun thing where you almost get sort of two stabs at uh, kind of showcasing what makes the Mario World overworld uh, 
good. Right. Is uh is the Slither Snake Sandbox, does that have a correlation? Because that uh, No, that of... also doesn't have a correlation, uh, mainly because yeah. that is yet another opportunity to do theme and variation, because that's actually a variation off of the winter theme. Mm-hmm. So the winter right. and that and the desert track are kind of companion pieces to each other. Uh, but yeah, both right. of those don't have a uh, companion track in the original world. Yeah, and Hello World, especially the Adventures in Mushroomland, is very based after reinventing like one theme repeatedly throughout it, or one or two mm-hmm. themes, much like Mario World itself. Exactly. Like, it must have been very important to get that theme down. <laughs> it was right. very stressful, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Overwhelming, daunting, lots of words. <laughs> and that's so, that's been a big Mario thing throughout the ages. Like Super Mario mm-hmm. sixty four, like that one theme is oh, right. like almost the entire soundtrack is composed of that one little song. Right, and really, well, that's uh, why we needed to be meticulous about how <laughs> that piece was going to turn out. Marty, you're the one who ended up writing what we chose to be the overworld theme. Do you have anything to say about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, in some ways, it was a little bit of a blur. Uh, you know, it, it was really. Ex- exciting trying to yeah i guess write a a piece that i you know could stand along something that is like personally for me just so beloved and um you know i already have some experience trying to kind of go into that same headspace of koji kondo writing kind of music kind of in the sphere of of mario but with this it was really important that uh, you know, we weren't trying to imitate any gestures in the actual overworld of, of the of the original game. Uh, you know, so it wouldn't have quite felt uh, complete if we were just trying to imitate, you know, chord progression and the melody. You'd almost get like a Xerox of a Xerox kind of a thing. And we wanted a piece that really felt like it could really exist on its own, um, but it captured that same spirit and that same fun. So I guess for me, it, it was about trying to condense. And find just that that minimal idea that that just immediately took you to that place, and I think we finally got it. Yeah, and I think compositionally, really, that's what he's talking about. Uh, I mean, I'm sure later we'll we'll talk more about the technical side because obviously, instrumentally, it was really heavily modeled after the overworld theme. But as far as just sitting down on the piano and writing it, I think for a lot of us, it was important for the the themes in in the album to really stand on their own and to not you know try to mimic a specific song too much. Right. Yeah, I am I have so much to say about the jump on in song and I just found that to be one of the standout moments of the whole uh the whole soundtracks, but that actually is going to be our song of the episode, so we're definitely oh, going to cool. get to that more in a bit here uh as we discuss that more in depth. Uh a question I had earlier that you guys alluded to was how you split up the workload like were you were you all kind of doing everything or were you pretty split out into specific roles for Yeah, th- that's a really good question. That's a really important um aspect of this project and I think one of the reasons why it turned out so good. Uh early on uh, when we were talking about the idea of okay, let's do a double album, the first disc World, second disc Yoshi's. Um for whatever reason, I just immediately had this thought that like i really think marty and will should take a little bit more of the 
the composing reins in this project because it's just that kind of music is just so natural to them and they just write that kind of even when they're not trying to they're always writing songs that sound like Koji Kondo in my opinion um, it, it's not not saying that I couldn't do that but it's definitely more of a natural world for them to be in so early on it was kind of my idea for them to write a little bit more of the music and for me to focus more on the implementation the technical side of the sequencing because I really started to enjoy that especially after my Kirby album last fall so that was kind of what mm-hmm. my um, you know ideal world would have been and luckily these guys com- were totally in agreement and were really down for that so for the most part I took more of the reins on the sequencing end and the other guys took more of the reins on the composing end but there's you know obviously exceptions to that yeah for the little bit of I've heard of your guys style I think you're right on there that I hear so much Koji Kondo and like also just this show tune kind of vibe it's very lyrical <laughs> awesome. melodical happy feeling yeah I would definitely describe um, especially for Marty and myself the kind of show tune style as being a huge influence as well because another thing um, is an approach that we take um, for when you're trying to kind of model what Koji Kondo does something that we do sometimes is look at his own influences you know the music that he was inspired by and try to study that and try to model that so you're almost you know it's not really a xerox of koji kondo it's more like two people with the same assignment coming up with different results that may still evoke something similar you know Right, you're not you're not just trying to mimic him, you're bringing your own ideas basically to the same situation he was in. You're not just trying to copy what he already completed. Yeah, no, I, I, I like how you put it. that, yeah. Did, so, did you guys ever like just psych yourselves out staring at <laughs> Oh my screen? gosh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah, the, I gotta say, ending this project, finishing it, the like making the last track actually happen was by far the most stressful part of this project because we were so close and I think it was about only a couple weeks ago we we hadn't even finished that track and we knew we had this rele- release date set uh, and the last track was the last track on Yoshi's that uh, Happily Ever After. Oh, wow. And for whatever reason, it just it just was really hard to make that happen. And we went through so many different attempts and so many different themes. So yeah, we definitely psyched ourselves out multiple times. And in a sit- yeah, when oh, oh, oh sorry, and in a situation like that, um, you usually don't want to uh, kind of paint yourself into a corner in that way, where it's like, okay, all you have to do is the most like emotionally significant <laughs> and like <laughs> like important piece that like resolves everything and uh, basically sums up why you're doing the project. It's like, oh, okay, you know, you'd you'd love to be able to have the last track be something, um, you know, where you're not. Like you, like you guys are saying, like psyching yourself out or getting in your head too much, but uh, we got through it somehow. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer when like the last hours of my project is just you know fixing bugs or mm-hmm. you know just kind of resyncing things and making sure they're all done. When you have to end at the most like creatively important moment, that is very stressful. Yeah, but other than that, um, I, I will say that I think we kind of we really rose above any of those initial fears that we had and there was definitely a lot of feelings of uh it was just this is daunting this is overwhelming but i think our excitement and also having this tripod like having being inspired by will's compositions and marty's compositions it kind of motivated me to want to go that extra mile and i think all of us could could agree with that right when it comes to happily ever after that was a really interesting song for me because i was listening to the yoshi soundtrack alongside the your soundtrack so like i would find out what song you guys were basing it after and listen to the original and then listen to yours uh 
when I came to Happily Ever After, I was trying to recall what that Yoshi song was, and I listened to it, and I'm like, oh gosh, how are they going? They really have their work cut out. <laughs> <laughs> song is just beautiful exactly and so nostalgic. now you know why we were so stressed out yeah <laughs> it's so special and then i listen to yours and i'm like i might like this more like oh my this God. is oh so my God. good oh dude like, you're too kind i know like i was really amazed by the melody you guys came came up for this it was so beautiful and different but evoked like the exact same emotional response i got That is, that oh is huge because for that one, like I don't think the paint has fully dried yet. As Carl said, it's it, um, it came together pretty recently, so it, it's really good to kind of hear that because, uh, yeah, I, I I'm not always so sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely up in my like top three highlights from your whole project. Which one of you worked on that? Like, so that was Will and I. So the the initial melody, like kind of the A theme, that was uh, that was the what piano I was melody. Yeah, so that was what I was responsible for. And you probably don't want to know how many drafts that went through. <laughs> and then um, this was one where Will and I wanted to work together because uh, oddly enough, that's not something that we do very often. Um, or or ever so this is a good opportunity for that and so most of the other material in in that piece uh, are Will's compositions then he also made the arrangement and there's one other idea towards the end that was an earlier uh, draft of something I was trying for this and then the very final phrase that you hear is actually Carl's melody from the first track of the first uh, first disc or oh god disc I'm so old uh First uh, Bandcamp page, right? Oh, that's really cool. So you kind of um, have bookends. And, and when I first heard that, I was so moved and just so just honored that that was the last thing you hear because really my melody is the first thing you hear in the first volume and the last thing you hear in the second volume. So it was just very moving for me. Uh, and Will's inspiration for that was the way that Koji tagged the 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 Mario one kind of level complete. He actually takes that at the end of the Yoshi's ending. So we wanted oh, a similar yeah. sense of like nostalgia. And again, can we make nostalgia based on a new album that you just heard? Like we're trying. Like who's to say if we succeeded? Well, and that's my absolute favorite thing about doing these albums. When I was doing Child of the Chozo, I did that all the time. You know, repeating different themes or trying to make you feel like you're at the end of one game and then going into the next game. Like I, it right. just because I love that experience when playing games. So it's so fun to recreate it. But yeah, Happily Ever After is probably one of the tracks. You know, I'm most proud of the 
as far as that one, um, yeah, like I love writing B sections and I'm just such a huge fan of Marty's melodies. So it was such a treat to get to like Marty writes this beautiful melody and it's like now I have to take over and it's just like it almost felt kind of easy in a way because I was so emotionally moved by what he had written it almost seemed inevitable where it had to go in a sense so it was mm-hmm. that one was really kind of a satisfying experience and also uh making the intro of it the really kind of busy thing with the bells and all the yes crazy yes. strings and stuff that was that was fun because I was just trying to recreate my memory of what that experience is like in the game, just sort of this outpouring of emotions and excitement that really feels sort of victorious. Well, what's what's right. fun with, with that sort of piece is there are a few areas in Mario where there almost seems to be like a bridge to Zelda, where it's like there's a lot of kind of like shared like musical language. Um, and, uh, pre- and, and it, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but like the end credits of Yoshi's Island does feel like it could sit like right next to the end credits of Link to the Past, for example. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that like mm-hmm. we got this opportunity to almost like step into kind of that Zelda, like, like really sincerely emotional place. And yeah, Will just, he just killed that. It was, it was, it was great. Well, likewise, man. That, I mean, yeah, that, that was really fun to finally get to work with Marty. It's it's it's, it's very. I was I was just going to say that it's really really an awesome feeling to have someone who has your back on a creative project like this. Um, Like just a little little example from from Brian and I, we we like to write audio dramas um, specifically for our old video game podcast. Oh, that's so cool! Um, And so we finally ended that podcast after years and over like a hundred and something episodes, and we needed to write like the ending of a trilogy to a Christmas. a Christmas audio drama trilogy we had going and we couldn't do it. No matter how many times we tried, we, we couldn't finish it. We, and we were about to give up. And finally we realized the only way we could get to the end and, and conclude everything and feel satisfied with it was to basically take shifts. I would write until I ran out of material and then Brian would write until he ran out of material. Wow. And we just did that until we got to the end. That's and that, really it, cool. It is that amazing feeling of I'm inspired by what you just put down and so I know where to go with this when you didn't. And yeah, that's a really, really awesome feeling. I'm glad you guys got to experience that. For sure. Yeah, I'd love to work, uh, work more collabor- collaboratively and stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. There is a, it's very rewarding. When you can get I mean, right. it's not just any collaboration. It's brotherly collaboration. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, there's some genetics involved there, <laughs> well, man. And, you know, and there really is. An, I mean, there's an interesting thing about brother relationships. I mean, when you look in sort of like... You know, the arts, It's there are a lot of examples of brothers, uh, I don't know, just like working collaboratively, um, whether it's in film or writing or music. I, I mean, there is is something about that relationship. And I guess, you know, you're kind of at an unfair advantage just because there's this common language. You've logged so much time together. And also, you're genetically similar, um, yeah. whether you like it or not. And <laughs> that's part of it too. Well, for me, one of the things that's cool is I have a lot of experience working collaboratively with just Marty. You know, we've been in bands and have been playing music ever since I have been playing music pretty much my entire life. So I have that history. Mm-hmm. And obviously I have a history just with Will, you know, with all the Mercado stuff and we've done musical stuff even before that. So now this is really feels like the first time when it feels like this true tripod of like trifecta of like right. having a three-way collaboration. So it's it's been just a really yeah. new and fun experience experience making this album 
Yeah, and you're age-wise in the middle, Carl? That's correct. Yeah, Marty's oldest, I'm in the yeah. middle, and then Will. So you bridge the gap. I try. The, the Brueggemann I brothers. try. In many ways, I think that's true. That's awesome. Uh, Stephen and I don't have that luxury. Just to, you know, <laughs> so we just got to deal with it. We have to work it out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the brotherly cooperation, you like, you have the same frame of reference, and they're just, additionally, there's like, there's a bunch of pretense. shorthand that can go on, you know, between right. people. And all pretenses down, like, you know this person, so you don't really have to worry about balancing, like, how well you know the guy. You're just go into it. You can just start creating, because you kind of know everything about each other. But you guys should um, look into recruiting, like, a third brother. I mean, like, even if. Just yeah. so that they can kind of break deadlocks and that kind of thing. It's uh, exactly. Yeah, you guys really need a Marty, someone to <laughs> occasionally help on the side. Guys, there's there's well, a funny Marty's story we, when we were um when we were trying to figure out what the name of the album would be. This was uh, I don't know how many months ago. We're like, what are we going to call this thing? And we were at uh, Carboni's, which is this Italian restaurant uh, where we live. We were all just sitting there, just throwing out hundreds of titles and so for many over different an options hour. for so long. And what was really oh, funny is is uh, Will was throwing out these titles and Marty was just like, I just, it doesn't make me want to grab it. And that was like the biggest thing for Marty is he wanted to just grab it when you, when you heard the right title. And I just thought that was really funny. Yeah, we were all <laughs> working hard on trying to come up. We, we threw out a bunch of different ideas um, because well, we needed two because we needed the first album and the second album. And um, I remember just trying every combination of different ones. And I remember Marty, and it was like after we were all so exhausted, Marty's just like, what about just Hello World? And then it was like, oh, my gosh, also because the pun of like, you know, that's something people say, like, hello, world, I'm going to do this. But then you also get the world from that was a. We were we were probably more proud than we should have been. But. <laughs> oh, I, I know, know that feeling. Yes. You're stuck it's... trying to think of a name. We <laughs> thought Train Station Eight was genius. Man. <laughs> Dude, it has well, an and awesome that one's subtle. You got to know the backstory. Exactly. But uh, so yeah, why did you guys end up deciding on the adventures in Mushroom Land and Journey to Dino Island? Like, was there a lot of deliberation about those names as well? There was a lot of lawsuits, and so we had to convince. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the Dino yeah. Island came first. That was a little bit easier of a choice, just because, okay, what are some yeah. things we have to work with? Yoshi's a dinosaur. Dino. It has to be Dino. Island. It, we <laughs> have we to need say Island, because island, island isn't copyrighted. Like So Dino Island came pretty early, and I think Journey to that, that was pretty close. But yeah, Mushroom Land was something that it took a long time to figure out what's the location going to be of the first volume. Yeah. Well, because originally we were thinking that the overarching, we didn't know, you know, Hello World was going to be the name. We were thinking it was going to be something, you know, Mario something, or some hint uh, about Plumber, or Super something, and then we were thinking mm-hmm. that the first album would be called Something Something world in the second album would be something something island but then when we came up with the idea of doing hello world as the overarching thing we we need we needed to make sure that the first album kind of painted the picture of a more traditional mario experience so that's where the whole mushroom land thing mm-hmm. came into place which makes sense because when you th- when tech you know technically the location of the first game is is dinosaur land so the land does make sense there yeah and in the first game the, oh, like right. the first stop on the map is actually called Yoshi's Island so it's like it gets to be a little confusing right right I was confused myself I'm like where does Super Mario World take place because it's on Yoshi's <laughs> Island but Yoshi's Island is just like a part of the overworld I think the Mario yeah. lore is really deep yeah you guys must have really done a lot of continuity Mario. problems <laughs> over maps yeah, are you guys and, suggesting yeah. that um the Mario mythology isn't airtight and like super <laughs> 
So some plumbers from Brooklyn just, fell just through a portal. Just wait for Mario Historia to come out. <laughs> right. <laughs> all the Mario games in chronological order. Yeah, it turns out yeah, you actually... Mario 64 takes place in the universe where you die in Mario World. Um, right. But then if you succeed in Mario 3, that's where, you know, the whole Galaxy games come I still, I st- And if you go into the minus levels, that's where you get Mario Land. Yeah. Those are weird. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, guys. The, the movie, I think, still makes the most sense. Oh, in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, oh yes. That is all consistent. Mario, Mario, and Luigi, Mario. Yeah, <laughs> you can't beat genius. That. <laughs> so, were there any like moments or songs in particular that you guys were just especially like you view as the peak of the albums? That's like that you. Didn't uh, that's hard well, to say. I, let's go around all three of us. Yeah, that's probably a good idea because I think for all three of us, we're gonna probably talk about the other person's contributions <laughs> because really the advantage of ha- of working with uh, you know three people is that in some ways we're able to be big fans of the album <laughs> because it's like, I feel like I'm a fan right. of the album mainly because of, I get to hear Will and Marty's compositions that I can objectively say, these are really good. So it's not just patting myself on the back. So I guess for me, some of my highlights, uh, obviously, I mean, when I heard that overworld, that Marty's contribution to the main thing, I just, it was so immediate and catchy. So that, that, that was a, obviously a big one. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the bonus stage in Adventures in Mushroom Land. Just kind of this Hollywood, just like Will likes to call it Las Vegas. It just feels like you just see the lights. <laughs> so that was definitely, um, for me, that was the track that I'm definitely the most proud of the sequencing. I, I just really poured a lot of heart. I wanted to really make that come alive. So that one, I just I just love so much. And as far as the second one, I would say for me, it probably, it probably has to be The Athletic. Uh, which was Try to Keep Up. That was one that I had just been looking forward to Marty writing for so long. So when Because I'm such a big fan of Well, Dixie you're talking Land. about the, the Dino Island Athletic. Right. Um, yeah. The Athletic to the second one. Because I just love Dixieland, and I had just been looking forward to that because that's one of my favorite tracks that Koji has ever written. So, so those two are probably my personal favorites, I'd say. Yep, those are some good picks. I, that was another one of those songs, and I'm like, man, they have a legacy to live up to here because this song is just weirdly good yeah. and out of left field. So it was a real, it's a really cool style to try to emulate. Uh, what about you, Will? Um, ooh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I've really grown fond of everything, um, which I'm, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting that I would mm-hmm. love every track on the album, but I I really think I do. Um, something that uh. Let's see. Obviously, Overworld is great. Um, uh, one thing on the boat, Carl wrote. There's two title screens: the title screen, the first album, and the second one. Those are both mm-hmm. Carl. Well, the first one is Carl and me, but I wrote like a little tag thing at the end that's separate from the. You know, the melody is Carl's, and um, and I love it. I think it works so well. And he also did the track called "Down on Dino Island." Um, right. which I also absolutely love. Uh, as far as things that I've written, um, I was really happy with how the boss theme turned out on the first album because that was a track where looking at the original was very kind of daunting and I didn't know how I would go about writing it. And mm-hmm. I'd also say uh, the the lullaby theme, the first track of the second album, was one that I wrote and was one that just um, was inspired by real life events because our sister actually had a baby. And so I wrote that 
as a lullaby for our nephew um, this oh, wow. before he was born. Um, but it just so happened that it really sounded a lot like Koji Kondo. And when like it came time, earlier, you know, for the project to have that track, I think both me and Marty were just like, Will, you got to use that theme you wrote because I can't imagine you writing a better lullaby than that. So it really worked out. Oh, wow. Yeah, it fits so thematically in this that I had no idea it had an origin in in another project. That's amazing. It's in. Yeah, I guess that's what I'd say. Yeah, I think I like. um, But yeah, I'm I'm just really happy with how everything turned out. What about you, Marty? Man, it's hard to pick. um, Oh, boy. And uh, yeah, I don't think I'd be inclined to single out any any of the tracks (laughs) I worked on. but I've got to say, there's a track in the first, uh, the first album, the Chamomile Forest. I, I think Carl alluded to it, and that's another one where, in like the forest themes in like Super Mario World, also are like a bridge to kind of that Zelda space. Um, that's a really good. Point. And uh, and so uh, yeah. Anyways, what will what will put together there is just honestly, it, it yeah, it just really blew me away, and it almost felt like. Oh my gosh, what kind of album are we making? Um, oh, and thanks, then uh, Will touched on it, but I'd like to say a little more. Uh, there's a, like a title screen on the second album that Carl wrote um, for like the the Dino Island, and uh, God, not only is it like so good, and it just like it really sticks in your head, but honestly, I felt like there was an entire world of this game, and it was just like becoming clear uh, in front of my eyes as I listen to it. And a cool little tidbit is it opens with these sort of like SNES sounding like ocean uh, sound effects yeah. and everything. And what's cool is if you go back and listen to the Yoshi's track that we're kind of trying to honor here, um, it's different sound effects. And so I was like, I didn't realize that when Carl was sharing it before. And then I was talking to him like, well, how did you do this? And he's like, well, these are from like other games like Chrono Trigger and... Um, earthbound i think and it's like i i don't know i just really appreciated that like attention to detail um in trying oh know. wow yeah you didn't just rip from the original track you yeah it's a combination there is some from the original but it's also combined it's fused with a couple other games as well so because I, I again i, I wanted it to be you know to live on its own too uh-huh. yeah i really appreciated that song as well uh down on dino island has there's a very unique, like, tropical groovy to that opening. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it was so rewarding because that original Yoshi's Island title screen um, is really kind of an oddball. Like, one thing I'll say about my compositions, um, I did more on the second album than the first, and I only did the oddball tracks. <laughs> like, really. Did you do the Caves um, of the I did. I did that, you? and I, I also did the it. final boss. Um, so anything that doesn't sound like the rest of the album is me. <laughs> yeah, basically any of the, like, the groovy rock kind of stuff is where you come in and apply your I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> it's so interesting hearing all three of you, like, come in with your personal favorite moments and tracks that you uh, that were special to you for some reason, because, you know, I've listened to this, you know, two or three times in preparation. Yeah. Um, oh, man. And it's, I, I've been kind of, you know dreaming up my own hypothesis and uh trying to figure out well i bet i bet carl yeah, worked, worked on that one and, oh that's, that's marty all over it and uh, this, that's it's really funny. fun to hear i did want to mention though uh that marty mentioned before the chamomile forest map track yes that was one that stood out to me um oh great largely because it has this this kind of sense of uh tragedy almost it oh you know what the working a... title was was forest tragedy 
There you go, man. I, I nailed it's it. It's also nice for you to say that because when we were coming up with the titles, uh, maybe I'm remembering this Will wrong. Will didn't agree, but yeah. I felt like Will was saying, "Like, guys, it's not, it's not a tragedy." And we're like, "I think." Well, no, I, I'm the one who called it tragedy. I just didn't want to call it sad. I think of it as more like right. mysterious. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with tragedy. I just don't, I just don't want to call it sad. I yeah, just don't agree that tragedies of... are sad. <laughs> not necessarily. Tragedies are more like powerful and beautiful. I don't. Now know. I'm getting deja vu. May, oh, maybe it's that it's a, uh, it's more like there's it's kind of tinged with tragedy. Yes, it's really right. just it's a it's a forest that is magical and mysterious. But you you don't just walk into the forest and suddenly right. You know, yeah, start see, guys, Steven's crying. on my side. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a deep mystery to it that just reminds me of what Nintendo honestly did with their games. They've not done it as much recently, but I think they're really good at it in like the SNES and N64 era. Is they their games had like this sense of like wonder and depth to them that was I think pretty unique to that era. Stuff like A Link to the Past or a or the L- like an, an, or the L- Elegy from Ocarina of Time and that sort right. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I really think you capture that with this song, and that's something I really appreciate about Nintendo and some of their soundtracks in the past. Yeah, they th- are just always happy fun. Well, yeah, thanks. That that was one. Uh, that's probably one I do have kind of a strong emotional connection to because that one, you know, was kind of just separate from mm-hmm. the way the other ones worked. I mean, I was I, I originally wanted to make something like Forest of Illusion. Um, but then I kind of, you know, I, I was running up against a wall of like that, that piece is so specific. I don't think I can really compete, but I, I was kind of also at the same time soaking up, uh, that type of harmonic language that he uses. And mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know, having loved Koji Kondo and us particularly, um, loving Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time and all the Zelda music that just some of the contours of that melody, once I got going, it kind of, I knew exactly where I wanted to take it. Right, right. So you may not have an answer for this, but I'm curious, is there anything on the album that you guys like, if you did it over again, you'd want to change? Like anything coming out of it that you guys weren't quite happy with? I think uh, that they should have called it Tragic Forest. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I want it to be Sad Woods. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, there's something uh, on a technical level uh, that okay. it, it happened very early on in the project. Uh, one of the first tracks that I see, or the first thing I sequenced was Marty's Overworld theme. And I was a little bit too eager to start working on it to the point where um, Marty didn't necessarily agree with the tempo that I chose. So we actually had to, on that track, after some of the work was already done, um, on Reaper, which is our our DAW that we use, we actually had to kind of uh, stretch the time a little bit digitally. You can't really tell, especially because with these SNES samples, everything's stretched anyway. So I'm sure most people will never notice, but just yeah, my... It's a little bit faster but my than my ears, it was Yeah, uh, I just, I kind of wish I would have waited and done it uh, in, in, the, in, a, in a little bit of a different way. It's, it's hard to explain, but for some, that's probably the no, only, totally get, only thing for me. I totally get you. Basically, you had the entire file and you basically just had to make it a little... Did you make it faster? A little bit faster, which sounds better than slower. Okay, gotcha. So you basically just created the whole thing and made it made it a little well, bit faster. Well, if anyone is this, is this nerdy, I don't know if anyone's interested, but basically what I did is I did that with the whole song except for the steel drum melody because I, I just couldn't live with oh. myself because I wanted that to sound perfect. So I muted that and then increased the speed uh-huh. just slightly on the rest of the song and then resequenced just the steel drum melody. Okay. So that sounds perfect pretty much. Right, because those would, you'd notice a little bit more if those were like long. They have that really punchy sound, right. so you want them to all not, not be stretched notes. 
That's really interesting. Okay. Uh, that, that's a much more interesting, like, uh, specific answer to that question that I was expecting. Like, you have, you have a specific thing you want to change. So when the remastered album comes uh, out. Ah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> when the remix album comes out where you add dubstep to, to have Oh the album my gosh. Come, that's around the corner. No, we do have, we do have something we're thinking about. I don't know if we're gonna, if we should talk about it, but we do have, uh, kind of, a a companion project we're thinking about for Hello World. Oh wow. That's super cool. Yeah, um, let's see. Let me think about um, any anything that I would want to change. I mean, honestly, I it's all so new, so maybe it would take me more time because, I mean, I'm really happy with how it turned out, all mm-hmm. the tracks. Uh, I, I think um, I, there's probably not anything that, like, I really want to change, but there were some things that were more difficult and frustrating than I would have wanted, uh, like, the, <laughs> like the sequencing like of the lullaby. well the sequencing of the lullaby that was one that i did myself because those samples were really frustrating with the intonation it got to the point where each individual note i had to separate into its own file and make separate eq passes to eq out because there was this weird overtone that was really. and that was something unique to just that sample luckily we didn't have that issue with almost any other instrument it was just that music box and it Uh, I mean, at least it was a slow song, right. so there weren't you know as many notes as other songs. But it, songs. But it was kind of funny because it got to the point where, because I sequenced the Happily Ever After, the last song, and it got to the point where I was like, oh, Will, what if we use that music box instrument? He was like, no, dear God, no. Let <laughs> <laughs> us never speak of that instrument. It sounds so it's, innocent. It's funny to imagine the guy with the music box just hating the music box. <laughs> it brings no joy. Just like cursing up a storm. Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing. I really, I loved the timbre of the instrument, and I lo- yeah. it's like one of my favorite Nintendo moments, the original da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, the piece itself, musically, the one that I wrote, you know, really meant something special to me. So it's like, that was my dedication. I'm like, I really want this to sound good. But if I if I show you the original version, you guys would think it's crazy. Because first of all, none of the notes sounded in tune. And they all had like an overtone that was like a fourth higher. So no. it just was like, ooh, the whole time. It was really uncomfortable. Uh, it's like polytonal. I really appreciate about how you created the song. I don't remember if this was in the original version or not, but you know how when it starts, you have like the cranking of the music. The box. wind up, yeah. Yeah, and then mid song, like when you do that uh, scale up, they're right. kind of like these slower, longer. And notes. the original just had the music box cranking through the whole thing, right? Right. Right. I but think like so. you could tell the music box slowed a little bit to do those slower notes, like crescendo, and then you crank it again and it starts over. Like that was a really neat touch. To cool. Make it, like, thanks. Sound a little more like material and, and physical and not just like a. Uh, like a digital. Well, I wanted to do it because Carl had ripped the sample of the music box crank sound. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I should probably use this. This is kind of a cute little thing. Right. Yeah, I really liked its placement in the song because it was right after the notes got like longer. So it sounded like the music box was slowing down there. And it was a, it was a very cool little touch. Well, and there's something fun about um, that combination of like um, really dedicating yourself to realism, but like you're in the within the parameters of like a very like limited technology. I I, mean, I guess like kind of relative to where we are now. I don't know. That combination is just super exciting. Right. Yeah, I think like sound design back in the old days would have been really fun, frustrating, but fun to try to figure totally. out like how can I make how can I mimic this very like complex sound well, with this very uh, and it's, it's all in the little details. It kind of reminds me of something that I think Miyamoto said years ago, which was something along the lines of 
what would be more realistic to have a a hand have all five detailed fingers and then you know clutch a bat and swing it poorly or to just be a block of a hand but have a really convincing animation as it swings right um, that, that always just kind of reminds me of working with limited technology um mm-hmm. or, or limited resources it's all about how you do it and all about those small touches that you put in right. that make it come alive and that's something i really appreciate about these albums i'm sure you guys are aware as Music creators now, we have so many tools at our fingertips that it can be so easy true. to get like so caught up in all, how like bombastic and intricate you can make your music that it, you lose sight of the melody and the basic composition. And these kind of albums, you really have to have a strong melody for it to work. Yeah, I mean, so it really gets you to focus on the basics. If if we're able to in this project um, come up with good melodies, I th- I think we were, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, if we were able to, it was due in large part to the limitations we had thinking about, okay, we only have this many voices we want to use. Because, yeah, we could have technically sequenced like a 13-voice SNES song, but it wouldn't have sound authentic because when you have too many voices, it starts to just not sound like Super Nintendo anymore. So the fact that we had those limitations and also we had uh, kind of a world that Koji already established, I think those limitations really uh, led to better melodies in my opinion. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Marty, was there anything from that last question that you would have wanted to change from these uh, dual albums? Uh, I mean, I for me, it would almost be healthier to to approach uh, the question kind of in the opposite way because I don't, I'm constantly kind of uh, living in kind of like self doubt when <laughs> when it comes to working on music. It's like no, no, like it's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm really hard on myself and um, just really like going back and forth between kind of like micro and macro details. Um, so for me, it's been almost experience of like, uh, really trying to listen to the album again and again. And and I'm finding like, Oh no, this is working, uh, embrace it. Uh, so yeah, I I guess, I mean, a little bit of that space right now. Uh, but if I were to open it up, I mean, there's, there are always, (laughs) there are always things, but we're not going to let Marty answer this question. It's (laughs) not, it's not what he needs right now. I gotcha. But no, I I do want to say I'm really proud of everything. Yeah. Yeah, default, you're like, default, everything needs fixing. You've been trying to go past and say, oh, wait, maybe this doesn't need fixing. And maybe this doesn't But see, this fixing. is the good thing about having three people. You know, we can prevent yeah. that from happening because Marty right. is very kind of self-critical and stuff. Which is super useful in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the things that makes him a really wonderful and meticulous composer. I mean, it's the reason mm-hmm. why his melody, I think, is the one that we chose because uh, it it didn't just come out perfectly the way it is you know i think originally he came up with something slightly different than that and kind of worked to retool it into what yeah, it i is. like so i like to I do talk think... more about that that whole song the overworld and kind of the yeah. how that came to be because that was definitely a really important kind of starting point for the project that's really good timing so let's jump on in here and uh, <laughs> play that song for everyone <laughs> before we go in depth to it to talk about it so everyone enjoy the main theme from hello world adventures in mushroomland jump on in the overworld theme composed by these fine fellows here carl will and marty brueggemann
All right, that was Jump On In, the overworld theme from Hello World Adventures in Mushroom Land, composed by the Super Mercado Bros, who are here with us right now. So, guys, um, how would you, like, just tell me about the song. Like, how Yeah, I, I kind of want to just start talking about uh, the history of how the song came to be. When we started off with the project, we I think the first thing we did is we opened up Microsoft Word and had the idea of, okay, what songs... want to start a project with Word, guys. <laughs> you got to do it. What songs do we want on the project? Do we want obviously we want an overworld, an athletic, an underwater, all the different types of songs that we're gonna and then we pretty much um I don't know if we divided at that point. I think what we did is we realized, okay, guys, I think we need to start off with deciding on a main theme of the first project, you know, the overworld theme that we're gonna do all these variations. So we had the idea of why don't all three of us submit uh, our kind of hand, try our hand at writing an overworld theme. So that's really what we did. And like Will said earlier, my submission ended up being used as the title screen. Will's submission ended up being used as the winter and overworld. And we used Marty's submission. And so all of us sent, texted each other a voice memo of us playing it on the piano. Um, so, uh, so yeah, if you listen to Marty's demo of him playing the main theme, Everything's there. I mean, the melody's there. Uh, the, it has this really kind of fun, kind of plucky left hand, which turned into the bass. So yeah, that that was a really mm-hmm. fun moment to to hear that. And in a, in a way, as soon as I heard it, I kind of realized oh, it has to be this theme. And then right. at the at the tail end of the voice memo, I just give them like a little uh, taste of like how how maybe you would interpret it for like a underwater waltz or like a a castle because. Um, that that was kind of another parameter in in writing the overworld. Uh, I mean, maybe it didn't have to be, but but you kind of couldn't like erase that out of your mind that you'd eventually be making these variations to it. So it would have right. to sustain those, and it would also be nice if the variations felt a little bit different than um, than what Koji did in Mario. So luckily, I mean, I I am real I am really proud of the melody, and it did take. Uh, quite a bit of work, almost kind of like whittling it down and kind of shaving it down to what feels almost like a, a ringtone to me now. Right. That's something that really impressed me about the melodies. Even like a couple of listens in, I was able to like perfectly recall it and even found myself like humming. Well, the well I think yeah. one of the things about the melody that lends itself to having these variations and for me, what made it so instant is there's a lot of space rhythmically that bum, bum. Yep. But um but um but there's a lot of space but the rhythms that are there are very striking and I think that was the thing mm-hmm. that hit me first about it and I think that's one of the things that's effective about it. Yeah, I mean Yeah, it's Oh, sorry. Uh I uh like like my brothers and I'm assuming like you guys and like a lot of the the world uh I'm just I'm just crazy about the um you know, Kochi's overworld theme. Um and I guess it got to a point when working on it where all of a sudden I thought like what if instead of trying to make something that is, you know, kind of rivaling that, uh, I almost go the other direction, something that's like even more elemental and simple. Um, and it's a really, I don't know. I don't know. It was really grateful that it happened in some ways. It, uh, I mean, it just felt very, it felt very Mario that, that aesthetic and that philosophy, it kind of takes me back to like the original Mario game and, and Mario three a little bit. Well, something that I found interesting in all of our attempts, we all three of us started our melodies on the same interval, which was the fifth, because Carl's is da 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 da, and mine is on the same pitch. And um, 
yeah sorry not the same interval the same like scale pitch and then marty says da 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 da, da which is interesting because koji's starts on the third and as you guys know there's which... only one right correct way to write a melody so luckily we got all got the right answer <laughs> no but i just thought it was funny that uh yeah. none of us because that was something where it's like if you start on the because his isn't da 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 da, da i think it's like somehow that made it feel like because i i mean i made a couple drafts of like attempt at writing an overworld and anytime i would try to start on the third it just like immediately seemed too close same, to same his here. so i thought it was funny that we all kind of approached starting on uh the so the yeah five. that's definitely an important thing to talk about this song and also the whole project is um one of the struggles is trying to stay away from certain um, yeah. similarities as far as intervals and the way that melodies start. So that was kind of uh, a really important way that we started melodies. Like, okay, I can't do this because it's too close, you know? Right. Right, because everything else about the song down to the instruments are so similar to the original. Like, you're trying to evoke oh, a similar right. feeling. You're using the same, the literally the same samples. Right. You're trying to get, like, the same tempo. The melody is really where you guys differentiate yourselves with this stuff. So if that sounded the same, it would start to just sound, you know, like a remaster or a remix. And, right. Instead and of an for me, um, the one of the most striking things about Jump On In was that it, feels much more meandering and and kind of slow and happy-go-lucky than um, the comparison. Exactly. You're so right. And actually, that was one of the things, the reason why I had it even at a slightly slower tempo. I really liked Marty's demo. It was boom, ding, boom, ding, boom, ding. It was almost just you're like like a fat man strolling down the street at a really slow pace. And I really liked that relaxing feel about it. So, you know, maybe right. Marty would have wanted it a little bit faster, but I really like that it's like a little bit on the slow side. Yeah. yeah it, and the, with the other thing that I thought is this song needs lyrics. Like, it sounds <laughs> oh, yeah. like it's meant it's so to be beautiful. sung. Oh, like, be my it, guest, guys. <laughs> don't ask me to do that um and this is one of those songs that i thought to myself this has got to be marty like i don't know yep, a lot here. about uh your music marty to be perfectly honest sure, I have more sure. i've listened to more of carl and wills but i know you're uh really really involved in the um fireflower musical right and to me this kind of sounds like it could fit in with that maybe that's why i think it needs oh, lyrics cool. so much it just has that kind of that tempo that um kind of show tune uh happy go lucky style that it it's uh yeah it's such a friendly yeah, song friendly it's that's like the word so i'm looking for it's really just <laughs> oh, fun to listen to yeah it, oh god that's great guys i mean you know i think um it's like some of my favorite melodists like instrumental melodists like you know like a mm-hmm. koji kondo or um john williams it's like it they a lot of their great melodies really are kind of almost like vocal melodies um i mean not not exclusively but um you know i th- i think sometimes we can really get kind of bogged down and fall down a, a rabbit hole when working on music uh, you guys alluded to earlier just all of the technological tools that we have to kind of produce music and we can kind of get lost in that but uh you know we can easily get lost like even just at a piano it's like oh i have all these keys and then i should play a lot of notes right and that's what isn't that (laughs) what makes things impressive and i want to impress people and it's it's kind of nice having these reminders from these other great melodists where it's like okay like but like how do you leave a lasting impression you know 
Yeah, and what's interesting yeah. for me is, uh, although I love that theme, I will say that maybe my favorite part of the song is actually the B section. It's always just been the part that won me over when Marty first played the demos. When he played that B section, that was like, okay, I, I love this. Uh, and that's the part that what we call it is the kalimba instrument. It's harmonized. It's a little bit more like staccato. Uh, and it was yeah, really fun. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, to use that instrument, but just the melody that it was playing, that was a moment when I was sequencing, I was like, this feels so natural. Like, I can't believe this hasn't already existed before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was when the B section came out that I'm like, oh, this isn't just a good melody, but it's like, it's following up. Like, this is a whole, this is just Mario, an entire Mario song. Like, it just, it flowed so naturally from the A section to the B section that I was also really, really struck by that. And I don't know what terminology to use, so forgive me, but it's that connecting piece right before the loop. Yeah. Like Break the little solo. little solo. Yeah. Yeah, I love the little solo. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what's it's funny? Also, I noticed that, that was a song. That was really cool. That out. was a late addition that Marty made on, on the MIDI that he sent me. Originally, he didn't have that in the oh. demo. And that was something that Will um, wasn't quite sure about when he first heard it just because he wasn't expecting it. But I think once mm. we all kind of maybe took a little bit of time to get used to it, I think right now we just we all love it a lot. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other, the other day because I was just having that song in my head all the time. And then getting to that part, I'm like, you know, I really love that little solo. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing where what's great about it is the more times you listen to it, the more you like it. And I think vid- good video game music really needs a mixture of something where that's something that's immediate and something that grows on you. Because if it, it, you right. you need a mix of both, because you need it to be immediate, because obviously that's what makes something catchy. But also, you need something to grow on you because that's the type of stuff that keeps it interesting so that right. when you hear it looped again and again, you don't get so, sick of it. So, like, the first time, it's a little nice little surprise, and the second time, you're like, oh, yeah, that little bit. And then by the right. time you're listening to it three, four, five times, it's part of the song. And you, well, to me, I always use the example it. of Ahead on Our Way from uh, Final Fantasy, I think it's five. Um, but it's the da, 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 da. It's this weird thing where the first time I heard it, you know, it's in a major key and then it just goes, becomes minor all of a sudden. And it's like really shocking and strange, but that's the thing where it's like every time I would listen to it, I'd be like, you know, that kind of works. And then pretty soon, you know, over the years, it's become my favorite part of the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah, I often find music that I initially dislike will go on to be some of my favorite music because it's like it had something I'm not comfortable with already. I don't just expect, and so it kind of broadens my that's, horizons that is, more and makes me. Oh, that's so interesting. Point. Yeah, I mean, the solo was like a funny spot because, uh, really, I guess I was operating on kind of like I guess my memory and like my feel around that track. Where the original track, there isn't really a solo. What it is is it's like it kind of replays the A, and there's some other instruments in the background kind of like riffing a little bit and it's like a little bit of a variation. So I know like when I first delivered it, I think the guys were like, Oh, okay. But why is there a a solo? But I think, Uh I think that actually touches on some, one of our philosophies too, in making this project where it's like, I think operating on your strong memories of the uh, source material is just as important, sometimes almost more important than getting like really surgical and like trying to, kind of mimic exact details and uh yeah i don't know it's kind of a kind of fascinating concept 
Yeah, because that kind of allows your your subconscious creativity has kind of been working on the song in your head for a while. Where when you listen to the original, now you had to be you know worried about carbon copying specific parts of it. I, I can definitely see how memories would allow you to be a little more creative than, than just listening to totally. the bit. Something else you mentioned a song jumping into minor will. I assume you guys had to take this song in a minor key for some of the the remixes or the re, the what do you say reuses of the theme throughout the right. Album, right. Yeah, yeah. The fortress, fortress was the big minor one. Yeah. So, like, what was the process like for that? Did that really factor into the writing of the song? Were you pretty happy with how you were able to uh, to remaster it for these different... Well, yeah, like we well, said... all the versions were kind of interesting um, because one of our initial goals is we wanted to make sure that the person whose ever theme we chose, that other people would get their hand at making some of the variations just to make mm-hmm. sure that they could all be as different as possible. So the athletic, which is just sort of like a ragtime variation, that was one that I did... underwater which is you know a waltz version of the theme that's one that carl did And then the castle is one that Marty did himself, which I thought was just really perfect and fitting since the first and last iteration of that theme, you know, are his. I just thought there was something kind of fitting in that. That is pretty yeah, cool. So right. what did you think about um when creating the Lower the Drawbridge, uh the Fortress theme, Marty? Like what were your what were your parameters for this? Because that was a really original and interesting piece from the original Mario. Yeah, it really was. Uh uh you know, when we first kind of uh divided who was going to do what track, um I had these competing emotions. One, it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna be able to get to do like almost all my favorite tracks. And then the other emotion was like, oh, no, <laughs> like those are all so great. Like I can't touch them. And it, and Carl mentioned before, like it's really difficult to find that line because we want these things to stand on their own. But we also want to kind of honor Koji Kondo. And so that uh, initial voice memo, the piano, like I played a little bit of a, a minor phrase. And um, it's sort of what you what you hear in the lower the drawbridge um, once you get to kind of like this like boombastic kind of section and it was almost more of like a tango kind of rhythm. Um, but that was one where it was like, I was kind of putting it out of my mind because I was going to really psych myself out. And it finally there wasn't, I couldn't really drag my heels anymore. So I, like Will was saying, kind of going back almost to like the things that would have inspired Koji. So it's, it's really almost like Baroque in kind of like, uh, early romantic or pre-romantic yeah. kind of classical music. Um, and just, and almost then like kind of turning off, like my, uh, like thinking about Koji's piece and then just really trying to take this as like a full on variation of the overworld. 
which I am so glad that he did that because one of the things I was very worried about um, before I heard the track is I was like, I really don't want this to just be like a poor man's world castle theme because there's so many <laughs> ways you could just do like a digga 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 and just change the arpeggios. And I, I'm so glad that it's so different and it's so um, of its own. And that's, I guess, what I'm the, the happiest about. Well, I really like how it, it kind of forges its own identity with the the tempo slowing down to such a dramatic pace oh, around cool. like one minute. It reminds me a little bit of like the airships from Mario. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah it does. It kind of has the, it, that whole Baroque more thing. Militaristic yeah, definitely. Right, right. Yeah. Well, this project, we definitely made use of a lot more tempo changes than anything we'd ever done. Uh, for one reason is because you hear a lot of that stuff on the SNES. That was very yeah. doable for those mm-hmm. composers to have the tempo changes with the samples. So we definitely wanted to take advantage of that. Yeah, that 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 particular. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the way it would sometimes work is uh, whoever was composing the track uh, would also kind of make a like a MIDI arrangement and then pass that along to Carl. So I felt a little bit bad because when I passed along that MIDI, he was like, "What?" Because there were just so many <laughs> tempo changes, um, and th- those actually can be kind of a hassle to work with in your in your DAW. Um, but no, yeah, Carl did an awesome job with the sequencing, and uh, it was a lot of like kind of final little details as we went through some different drafts and finally we're like, Oh yes, I feel like I'm in a castle now and uh, I'm kind of scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And one of my favorite things to do in the project um, is to, to find the moments where we can utilize the delay, the same kind of delay that Koji or a lot of these SNES composers w- would, would do. And really what it, what it means is you take a melody and then you basically copy and paste the same thing to another track and slide it over to the right. And that's exactly how they Mm. did it on the Super Nintendo. And you turn the volume down a little bit. And so it's a really simple, primitive way to make it sound like reverb, to make it sound like it's this big space. So there's certain tracks where it's really useful, the castle being one of them. So it's really fun to have those moments where it feels like this big kind of epic space. Yeah, yeah, that song I think was another another one of the standout ones for me. I know I'm saying that and, a well, lot, and, but it, it is in cool. like the top five. And for it's me. one reason I enjoy uh, uh, talking about the albums you guys put out is because um, it they kind of act as like a lens to then re-examine the original material. That's exactly um, what we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard Mario World soundtrack a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, yeah, but you know, seeing like the same instruments, the same style right. and then you know brand new from the ground up melodies makes me realize oh well why did why does this sound different now yeah. it's like oh because and, the original did this and, and it's such an opposite way of approaching the idea because most people say okay i want to bring attention to this i will take the original melody and bring it to modern mm-hmm. instruments or bring it to a you know electronic or a different style with the original melody you guys are like no we're gonna use this <laughs> literally the same instruments and literally the same style but make yeah it well, it's not and that's right it's not until you just it. explain that to me that i realize how crazy we were to do that like why did we like it's <laughs> crazy it's just like inverted. Yeah, it's like the Bizarro remix, like, remix really cool. or something. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's so rad. But on that uh, note, Carl, I'm going to give you a little time sh- to shine here. And just like, what was the process <laughs> like for like getting these sound files together? Oh, my gosh. Just get as detailed okay, as you yeah. I'm definitely um, interested in it. But like, what <laughs> this is like definitely my kind of... Uh, definitely biggest area in the project was the sequencing and the samples and and basically what it mm-hmm. started off with and it's something i've kind of perfected the formula the kind of the process as i've done more you know we did our zero g which is our first attempt at snes which now you know looking back 
we would have done it a little differently. Uh, the Kirby project, I made a lot of progress, and I'm really happy with how clean that sounded. So uh, the first step with this is to to take the SPC files of, let's say, Mario World, and to really methodically go through every single track and solo all eight of the channels for every single song to find every possible different sample. Let's say you're going to start off with the kalimba. You're going to want to get low samples. You're going to want to get high samples, long notes, short notes. Go through all the songs and just kind of rip all the samples you can. And then once we have all those samples, we we have each one is its own wave file. And then we can use our own sample player to manipulate it, to pitch it up and down in a similar way that the Super Nintendo would have pitched the samples up and down. Well, And when Carl says sample, he doesn't mean like sample in the hip hop term where you're taking like a musical phrase. He literally one means note. having to find moments where it's just one yeah, sustained Yeah, so for note. example, um, right. let's say one, the instrument we call soft pipe, I don't know what anyone else would call it. It's pretty much the most common instrument <laughs> in Mario World. It's used for almost every song. It can be used in some ways it sounds like strings. It can also sound like brass it can sound like a synth but basically uh, let's say we find we find an example of the note being you'd rip that note and then you'd be able to pitch that up and down but one of the struggles is that if you pitch it up the rate increases too so so turns into and that doesn't sound good so that's why you need to find multiple samples of different ranges so that was one of the initial struggles and even though is this something that is this something that people have cataloged and done the no. the hard work on? No, before? nobody's so nobody's ever do done it. Uh, okay. This is definitely <laughs> wow. This is definitely breaking new ground. I will say because the only thing it's that people. Well, I mean, because people have done this, but people use sound fonts. That's If you go on YouTube and you type original SNES music, okay. it's out there. Mm-hmm. People use sound fonts, and that's taking a very, very, very small segment of the sample and using a sound font player to, to expand it, which can sound okay, but in my opinion, it, just, it never sounds perfect. And depending on the system you use, it can sound pretty, pretty wonky. So uh, this method we're doing is, is really kind of the hard way of doing it. I wouldn't recommend anyone else to do it because it takes so long, but I will say that once you're done, I do think it sounds like really, really close to the Super Nintendo. Well, I mean, I find it very satisfying because it was also the same thing that I had to do in uh, Child of the Chozo for sort of the second portion of it. And there's something that I guess I wouldn't have thought because, you know, you think like nostalgia, the older back you get, the more nostalgic it's going to be. And having used stuff like Famitracker where you're able to get authentic 8-bit stuff, I got to say it's more satisfying having the Super Nintendo because it's this weird point where it's like the instruments have so much character and they're so identifiable um, because they're not just, you know, like square waves. They actually are sort of samples. And that that leads us to something else is because they're so identifiable, there's only a very specific range that you hear them in. So one of the other struggles of this project Mm was, let's say Marty would write a melody and we wanted to use the steel drum, for example. Well, the steel drum only has a very specific range in the soundtrack. So if it's a little bit too high it's going to sound bad. So a lot of times we'd have to come back and say, you know what, Marty, we really have to change this key. We have to bring it down like four half steps because that's really where the sweet spot of that sample is. So sometimes it it was a process of writing, not just for a specific feel or a specific level, but writing for a specific sample in the range that sounds good for that sample. 
Right. It was almost like so, writing for like an oboe, and oh, this is the range <laughs> of the oboe, you know. Oh, an oboe can't go five octaves right. higher. Gosh well, darn it! Um, so for the uh, for the samples, since um, since for the SNES composers could like bring their own samples right. to it. Typically, do most games have samples unique from yes. each other as opposed to the NES? Where, like, yeah, the there's same. so many different. There's a high variety of different samples. Nintendo did have a sample pack that you hear a lot. So mm-hmm. you a lot of similar bass sounds, a lot of similar brass. But really, some of the samples in Mario World weren't used in any other games. Uh, I yeah. noticed it. Felt uh, All-Stars yeah. has some similar ones. Uh, Yoshi's Island has some that they, they borrow from Mario World. But there are some in Mario World that you don't hear anywhere else, for sure. Did you ever, like, find yourself hunting other games for a sample? Of yeah. Like, for, for just... there's a good example that in the winter track and the desert track, the percussion was not from Mario World because there is no sleigh bell in Mario World because there's no winter level. So that right. was from, I think, Earthbound. And the uh, the hand percussion in kind of the tabla stuff in the desert track, that was actually from Chrono Trigger. Wow, that's wow. really awesome. That's... And that that's... It kind of gave it, gave it an alien sound to it almost. Like, wait... Wait, this is what's going on? This is slightly askew. This feels like it's from a different world. It's like the unreleased, uncreated world, like where they had those levels you never got to see. And Carl was also really careful when finding samples from other games to make sure that they really felt like they could still sit alongside the Mario World samples so you weren't too pulled out. Another thing that Carl isn't um, really mentioning, but uh, like, for instance, when he's saying like, oh, you bring the if you bring the sample up, then it, it gets faster. We certainly have the tools where we could increase the pitch without increasing the speed. But the point is we're trying to mimic the way the Super Nintendo the Super Nintendo technology worked. Because, um, for instance, if you ever hear, like, strings, like, let's say, in Zelda, when they get high, like, the vibrato gets almost kind of insane and sort of glitchy. Yep. So that Carl's always trying to imitate that technology or, like, he was describing with the delay, you know, so that we don't want to kind of bring like our really souped up fancy tools to the table. Yep. Um, I wonder, I wonder if SNES composers ever look at us and just say, no, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Why are you yeah. limiting no, yourself? Absolutely. And again, it comes back to, we are so an, out of our minds. Why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much time <laughs> trying to make something sound just the right amount of crappy? Cause that's really what we're trying to do. Cause yeah, like Marty well, said, I could have right. made the vibrato sound better, but it's like, no, it doesn't sound like Super Nintendo unless it's <laughs> this amount of crappy. Well, right. I think we already covered that. You're trying to find a very specific emotion, and you can't get that emotion without the vibrato. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how it works. Well, I think especially that. with uh, the Mario World instruments, I mean, I was reading an interview with Koji Kondo where he was talking about, um, and I just de- never realized what a big part he played in sort of establishing what the 16-bit era sounded like. Because he was talking about, you know, with the NES or with synthesizers and stuff like that, there were clear limitations. You didn't have that much control over timbre and sound. But when you were dealing with the Super Nintendo and you had more choices he sort of thought how do i approach like what type of instruments am i going to try to make it sound like and so he came up with the idea of you know in a video game in this new medium it should really sound like something in a dream where it's just a mixture of all kinds of instruments so that's why you get you know mandolin and steel drum and strings and brass and it's just all these weird kooky instruments that you probably wouldn't place together but they somehow work in this context in game well and it's an, that's another yeah, great example of just like the level of care and detail and like sensitivity that koji brings to his work and 
uh, it, it's funny. I mean, no matter how large of a fan you might be, I think so many of us are still going to kind of underestimate and undervalue just like the capacity for like his ideas and sensitivity in those areas, areas, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Right. And it suits the Mario like world really well. Cause the Mario world itself is a very eclectic mix of just different stuff. Like here's cookie mountain. Look at those turtles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just kind of bring everything together. So I remember Conan O'Brien was like doing some episode where he was playing like Smash Brothers and he's like, What <laughs> ideas do they turn down at Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a really good line. Uh, so Carl, now that you've like figured all this out and documented this process and everything, have you considered like detailing this kind of stuff on of your course not. And put it up Of course not, because we well and <laughs> truthfully, no, because one of the things that I that yeah. I think is cool is that we've stumbled upon this long, tedious process that gets us results that uh, not a lot of other people are able to get. So in a lot of ways I kinda want to keep mm-hmm. some of the secrets to ourselves, at least for the time being. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of make it proprietary for at least. But for now. but at the same oh, time, really... people have reached out to me and asked various things on Facebook and email, and I have answered their questions, and I, and I, I'm definitely willing to help mm-hmm. out anyone who's interested in trying to do this. Um, but it just, I sure. would say that it's a very long and tedious process. Well, yeah, and I think the thing is, it's not like there is some shortcut. It's like exactly. it's yeah. not like we discovered. Oh, this is how you this do it. This one weird trick will get you. <laughs> well, it's like I always wanted to make eight bit music, and I didn't discover a shortcut. You know, I just had to learn. Yeah, how well, to and it's also Sammy it's tracker. worth being said that I'm sure there are some people that maybe they know how to take a Super Nintendo and take the SPC seven hundred and use the chip to do actual. Just because we don't have That'd that knowledge, really cool. oh, I'm yeah. sure there are some people that know how to do that, and that's. Even better. Have to be. I mean, Obviously, that's that's way yeah. better than what we're doing. But I th- just using the knowledge we have, which is limited, uh, we wanted to still make it sound 100% authentic. So we did the best we could with our limited tools, you know. Right. I think what we right. need is a a series of Marty's Corners detailing how <laughs> uh, how you change the pitch of certain uh, samples, and I think that'd be fascinating. <laughs> If you have enough Marty's corners, it just becomes Marty's. Key. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's cute. Oh, Marty's Tesseract. And you just... <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, let's see here. Anything, uh, any closing notes you guys wanted to say about this song in particular or the album? In I mean, I guess all I just want to say is I'm just so happy that the world, you know, no pun intended, the world gets to to hear this stuff because it's been a long journey it's been about six months that we've been working on it mm-hmm. um it is available on our website it's pay what you want so whatever you think you know whatever you think this album is worth we just really you know all the listeners out there we just really want you guys to check it out and i hope that people can enjoy it well i certainly have so i have faith other people have good taste yeah, too hopefully we'll so. see <laughs> yeah. well, awesome well thank you guys so much for joining us well, thanks for having us honestly I mean, thanks so much for like show. setting aside this time and really devoting this much time to, to our album it's really sweet it's such an honor yeah it's such a it's always so fun to be on this show and especially uh, you know to, to have an episode dedicated we just yeah we're just very very blessed so thank you so well, much Kelly. and i love listening uh i love listening to your guys's podcast i was listening to the uh when you guys tried out that rhapsody roulette idea and i'm listening yes. to it enjoying it and then it's just like oh what 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 have you been listening to? And then you're like, oh, I've been listening to Carl B. and the Soul Surgeons. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Such a trip. Yeah. No, and yeah. That, was a, that was a cool idea. I really enjoyed that, that roulette episode. You guys should keep that up. 
Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we got some good feedback on that. And I'm really happy you guys enjoyed it. I, I totally had the same experience in listening to your guys' show, and it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. They have Matthew Tussie working on. They were, they were all exactly. on our show. This is so cool. I'm so glad you were able to get them yeah, on the show. Yeah, it's almost really like we're cousins, game music cousins. <laughs> there you go. Game music cousins. That's our new podcast. There's way too many hosts. That's what we call the, you know, extravaganzas when there's like eight people on. Yeah, right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we need to do that again sometime. That was, that was ridiculous. Next January. All right. Oh, I'm yes, sure. Exactly. I'm sure we, we we, we're still, we're still, uh, we're still winding down after that. So. <laughs> Give us some time. All right. Well, also, Marty, it was awesome having you on. Thanks so much for for giving us your time and talking about this album. Guys, this is an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, having me be be a part of it. And yeah, just letting us take all this time to to talk about the album. Wow. Well, see, the secret is we knew that if we could get all three of you on the show, we wouldn't have to do any of the work. You guys are bringing all of the material. You have all of the knowledge. You have all of the enthusiasm behind it. We just sit here and give you questions every once in a while. The problem is we're just going to get iTunes reviews saying, what happened to the Oh, I mean, there's power in numbers, man. You you get five passionate individuals all talking about one thing. You know, you don't really have to do much work. It's really the power of podcasting. That's like the whole idea behind it. I, I really enjoy it. All right, so everyone, time for, you know, ending note stuff. Don't turn it off. This is <laughs> yeah, very important. important. You can find us on Twitter at TrainStation at 8. You can email us at TrainStation at 8 at gmail.com. We, Stephen, are you still posting on YouTube? Are you doing that? I am. Or are you being lazy? Yeah, I didn't forget. Okay, good. I was just making sure you're still putting mm-hmm. this stuff up there. So yeah, we're TrainStation 8 on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you probably know that. Um, and we are a part of the Whales or Whale, Whales or Whales, Whales are Whales Network, which is a uh, podcasting and other internet media network that Stephen and I run that has a lot of other awesome shows like this with other awesome people. Like My one us. plug for that is going to be Third Person, a storytelling podcast. If you like storytelling, and I've noticed a lot of people do, definitely check that out. I wasn't on the on the last episode. Uh, or no. maybe I was, depending on when this comes out. But um, it was an episode <laughs> all about unpopular opinions. And even though it meant yeah. Abigail had to talk about Frozen again, it was a really, really um, humorous... Gosh darn it, I like <laughs> Frozen. She just can't accept it was, that. It was yeah. a really good episode, and it was nice seeing it from the perspective of someone who, you know, wasn't actually on the show. So I can now hey, recommend let it, it go. from a safe Let distance. it go, Stephen. <laughs> I told her that! I told oh, her that exactly. So, exact so thing. Brian, are you the Elsa and is Stephen the Anna, or how does it, how does it sort of break down? Well, I am blonde, and he is uh, Auburn, so <laughs> that's how it so. works. I guess so. Guys, I'm getting a little also, antsy. Have, Do you guys want to go of... and build a snowman? Uh, that was that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Asha have a bunch of emotional baggage and have crazy ice powers, so yep. it all fits. And yes, and it, uh, Carl, I appreciate it. It's always fun to throw in songs. Well, and we did actually have snow oh. just a few days ago, which is wow, <laughs> strange. That's really cool. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Personally on Twitter, I am Lord Melder. Steven is Stephen Kelly 180 And you guys can now plug all the awesome stuff. Yeah. On Twitter, you can follow us at uh, Marcado Bros. Uh, our website is supermarcadobros.com. And we have all of our original music, all of the albums we've done. There's a lot of them at this point. Uh, as well as our podcast, the Super Marcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Every week, we talk about video game music. And occasionally, we interview some cool people. And yeah, we're on uh, Facebook as well as YouTube, so that's where you can find us. What about you, Marty? You, you have your own. Stuff yeah, you too, can follow right? me uh, on Twitter at uh, Marty B Music. Um, it's still mine. There's like this. Uh, there's this Marty B rapper who uh, who really <laughs> wants it, but no, it's, I'm gonna hold on to it. 
And their collaborative album is coming <laughs> out this fall. Do a collab with him, yeah. Oh, gosh, no, that would be really great. Marty B. Marty B. and yeah. Marty B. Oh, man. The Marty B's. <laughs> yeah. is even better. Oh, guys, brilliant idea. <laughs> that should do it for us. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, Steven? Yeah. I'm going to leave the outro to you this week. All right. Well, for I, I think first, really cool I've got three things to say to end our show. Okay. Thing number one is, Brian, you're exactly right. This is why I like podcasting. It's bringing similar people and similar ideas together and expanding into new new people and new ideas. Uh, so this okay. has been very fun. I agree. Um, my second thing is, I forgot to mention before, but the Cocoa Wasteland Mat base is awesome. Oh, thank you. That that was one of that was one of mine. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, yeah, I could I tell. I could <laughs> tell. Um, and the final thing I'm going to say is we're going to be back on track with weekly episodes starting next week, and we hope to see you here. So have a lovely day and listen to some more video game music in the meantime. That was pithy. I like yeah, it. Thanks. Thanks.